Uh, last Sunday, uh, we did continue in our, in our study through 1 John chapter 5. Uh, so if you were here or if you were on live stream, you know we, we did uh, 1 John 5 verses 4 and 5. So today we're starting verses 6 through 13. Uh, so if you missed that, or if you missed any sermon, actually, you can go back to our, our YouTube page or our uh, Facebook page, New Life Haverhill, to get the old, old sermons. Or you could go to our website, uh, newlifechristianag.com, and go into the media section. All this stuff is there. Or you could go to our podcast uh, channel on Apple. All the sermons are there as well. So I hope that you take advantage of that. Every now and then I go back and check and see how many people were coming on. And the podcast is actually doing pretty well. I didn't realize that till the other day. So if you miss anything or you want to hear it again, you can always go back and get it. If you want the notes that are on the screen every Sunday, they're also on the website under the media section. You have to look for it, but they're all there. So anyway, we're continuing in chapter 5. And um, I want to read it. And then, uh, then we're going to talk about it. So 1 John 5, starting at verse number 6. Well, let me just say this, that we're, we're coming out of verses 4 and 5. And verses 4 and 5, if you missed it, have to do with having the victory in Christ. So if we're in Christ, you know, if we're in Christ, we have the victory. He says in verse 5, who, has, who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So verse number 6 begins with... Um, this is he who, so verse 6 begins by explaining who, who, who he was mentioned in verse number 5. And we mentioned this last week, that um, we don't believe in a generic God, you know, like, or a generic Jesus. Now, most of you heard my story about uh, our previous place of ministry down in Connecticut, uh, which was in a public uh, facility. We shared an office with, uh, with several other people in town. But across the hall from us was a New Age, uh, I want to say ministry, but a New Age office. And they had on their, on their door and on their uh, bulletin board all this stuff about Jesus. Uh, but it wasn't the same Jesus. So, uh, so just because people say they believe in Jesus, it may not be the same one. We're talking about the one that John presents right here. So verses 6 through 13 kind of clarify who Jesus is that he's talking about in verses 4 and 5. So if you're in Christ Jesus, you have to be in this Christ Jesus. And it's, it's all-consuming. You know, he, he takes us and he changes us. And he uses us for his glory. So let me, let me start reading in verse number 5. This is he who came by water and blood... What an introduction. You know that needs some explanation. Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. I, I've entitled this sermon today, Can I Get a Witness? And I want you to see how many times the word witness is used in this passage. It's used there in verse number 6. Verse number 7. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word... And the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. By the way, this is one of the most profound passages of Scripture I could, I've come across. There's so much theology in this little section. It's amazing. We would do well to take our time to really digest it all. 
Verse number 9. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which He has testified of His Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in Himself. He who does not believe God has made Him to be a liar because He has not believed the testimony that God has given of His Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Father, Lord, thank you for this really uh, informational piece of Scripture in which most of our Christian doctrine is based upon. Lord, help me to share this message the way you want, but may your Holy Spirit come right now and just help us to hear the truth in your word and apply it to our lives. We pray, Lord, that as we proclaim uh, this gospel, that you will be honored and and blessed by your people uh, recognizing you for who you are. But also, Lord, at the same time, that our faith would be encouraged as a result. So, Lord, anoint me to preach it. Anoint us all to hear it and apply it. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. I just, verse number 13 really, really strikes me. Because this is the challenge of a lifetime. That we would have faith in eternal life. And that we would continue to have faith in the Son of God until we meet the Lord when our day comes. That's the challenge of our lifetime. To stay faithful and true until we meet the Lord Jesus. That's why John wrote this. He says in, in his gospel, in John 15, he says something similar. He says, I, I've written you these things that you will continue to believe in God and believe in the Son of God. So the Word of God is written that we would, number one, know that we have eternal life. If someone asked you, you have eternal life, what are you going to say? Well, I think so. No, uh, not based on my good works or what I, whatever I am, but based upon my faith in Jesus Christ and my belief in the Word of God, I have eternal life. And based upon what he says, if I stay in the Word of God until my time comes, I will stay faithful till the end. And I will continue to believe in the Son of God as I go through different stages of life. And you know, we all have different stages of life. And we're all in different stages right now. But we, all, we pass through life, you know? We, we go through what? Our, 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 our childhood, our teens, our, our early adult years, maybe getting married, maybe having kids, going, getting a job. We go through different stages, you know? And life changes for us. But He never changes. The, the challenge is to stay faithful regardless of what stage of life you're in. And then you'll get older and your hair will turn white and... And all this other stuff, and uh, you know, your weight will get like sticks to you at a certain point, you know. But you know, you're you're in a stage, but you have to be living for the for the Lord in that stage. I'm so thankful for Gary Feldman. I really am. Gary and I were were fairly close. He was a musician. If you know musicians, they're a unique breed. Amen. Doug Reagan over there. Musicians are a, a unique breed. I mean, I just have to tell you. But Gary loved the Lord. 
Gary was Jewish, you know. He was brought up in a Jewish family. His, his family is Jewish. They haven't received Christ. Gary was unique in that way. But he brought to the table a, 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 whole, a whole concept of Judaism and Jesus being Messiah that most of us don't, don't have. But he was faithful. He believed in Jesus, you know. He believed until the very end. There's no doubt in my mind he's with the Lord. And he's in a better place. That's why we read in 1 Corinthians 15 that, you know, oh, death, where is your sting? Well, swallowed up in victory. What, what victory? The victory we have in Christ. That even though someone passes on, it hurts and it's sad, yes, but, but the sting is gone. I don't know if you've ever been to a funeral uh, of someone who's not a Christian versus a funeral of someone who is a Christian. They are like night and day. And they're all sad, believe me, but... When a Christian goes on to glory, there's an undercurrent of, well, hallelujah, he or she made it to glory. And that peace comforts everybody. But that's why John wrote this. So I just have to say, verse 13 is the foundation of everything else that we're going to say in this particular passage. John wrote the word of God, right? That we would know that we have eternal life. Let that sink in. We have, that tells us this life, all that this life is, is, is wonderful, but this isn't all there is. We have an eternity to deal with. And we'll spend eternity somewhere, but with Christ we'll spend it with Him. Amen? And, and then he says in verse 13, I've, I've written this to you so that you will continue to believe. That is our greatest challenge. I heard a preacher this week, in fact, he was talking about this very subject. And he said, you know, if you're a Christian and you're dabbling in sin and you're, you know, you're not really, really where you should be and things go wrong in your life, it's easy for you to, to ascertain that, well, things aren't going wrong because I'm not living right. You know, we have an example of the thief on the cross. The, that man, when the two thieves were going back and forth and one said, you know, you know, what do you, why, are you, why are you coming against Jesus? We deserve what we're getting. That man knew he, he was getting what he deserved. But the question is, what do you do when you are living a holy life and a good life? When things go wrong. When the bottom comes out. What, what, like if you were living in sin, you could say, okay, well that happened because. But if you're not living in sin, you're not dabbling in anything. You're living a good, holy Christian life and things don't go the way you think they should go. What do you do then? Well, you have to get into the word of God and know that you have eternal life regardless and that you will continue to believe in the Son of God in spite of what happens in your life. I've had this discussion with so many people. This week, I met with the missionary. Oh, did I tell you that? I didn't tell you this story as I digress. But a, a week or two ago, I posted on Facebook, right? Can anyone, well, paraphrase, can anyone tell me where to get good pizza, right? That was my thing. Oh, man, I got a lot of attention on that one. I got all this stuff. I had one delivered to my door. Amen. The next day, I, I found an old pizza box on the front yard of the parsonage. Someone threw it out the window from a, a, a pizzeria in, in Plastow. But anyway, then I get a message on my phone. Pastor Rick, this is so-and-so. I'm a missionary to India. I saw your Facebook post. I'm saying, oh boy. He says, I'll make you a, an offer. 
You can't refute. No, he didn't say that. He said, I'll make you an offer. I live in Boston. I'll get you a Boston pizza. Drive it up to Haverhill. It takes me 30 minutes. It'll still be warm. And we could sit down and talk about my, my uh, desire to go to India to be a missionary. How could I refuse that? <laughs> so I got the... Uh, he came. He came on, on uh, Thursday. And, oh, the Pips were there. Jack and Ella and Ava were there. And Gigi was there. And Stacy popped in for a minute. We had really good pizza. Why did I get into all that? I forgot why. Where, where was I going with all that? I don't even know. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. The, the missionary. So we're talking about India, right? <laughs> we're talking about India. He said, he said like, like 90-something percent of the people in India are not Christian. And uh, so we're, we're, we have to go and make a difference. He's going with his wife and two kids, I think it is. And we started talking about the gospel in America. The prosperity gospel. How everything is supposed to be so neat and clean and everyone gets healed, everyone gets rich, everyone has everything. You take that gospel to India, it'll fall flat on its face. And the missionary was telling me he's going to go there to proclaim the pure word of God. That no matter what, people over there may get killed for their faith, for goodness sakes. How are you going to to do that? I'm going to give you the gospel... And you may die next week because of your faith. Well, people do receive that faith because there's a conviction in their heart. That's what this passage talks about. There's something in our heart that says, this is yes and amen. So anyway, verse 13 is so important. This is written, the word of God is written, that we will know we have eternal life. Whether we live a long life or a short life, if we're in Christ, we have eternal life with him. And these things are written that we will continue to believe in spite of when your family breaks up or in spite of when somebody gets really sick and debilitated, in spite of when somebody dies in your family and you don't understand why, in spite of when a relationship breaks up and you thought for sure that was the one, in spite of your bank account that you thought was here and it's really here and you're worried about what you're going to do, in spite of all of those things, You will continue to believe if you reside in the Word of God for the duration of your life. That's what he's saying here. So as we go through this, keep in mind, he's telling us all these theological concepts so that we'll continue to believe until that day. I'm sold on it. I don't know about you. I'm convinced. I'm going to remain a Christian until I meet the Lord face to face. I'm never going back. And if I fall, if I sin, I will guarantee you, like Richard Andreozzi said, I will keep a short account with God and repent and plead the blood and get on with my life and not dwell on it. I can't afford to dwell on it. I've got to pick up and keep going. So he says in verse number 6, right? Coming out of verses 4 and 5, if you follow what I'm saying, the victory is ours because of Jesus. This is he who came by water and blood. What a thing to say. Jesus Christ. Not only did he come by water, but he came by water and blood. And uh, this, is, this is a concept. We have to think about, what is he talking about? And then he says in verse 6, the Spirit gives, gives witness that this is true. Well, there's different ways to think of it. Some people think that maybe 
when he said born of, or he came by water, he's talking about the way he was born of a, of a woman. He was born through Mary. Like in John 3, John says you must be born again by water and spirit. So you must be born naturally, and you must be born again spiritually. So maybe he means that, but not, I don't think so. The second thing is, remember when Jesus was on the cross, and they put a spear in his side. What came out? A mixture of water and blood. That could have some significance here. The water represents the the river, the flowing of the waters of the Holy Spirit. The blood, of course, uh, uh, reflecting the blood of Christ that covers our sins and pays the price of our sin. But after after close study, the water really means Jesus' obedience to be water baptized. He came, uh, he came by water, and He came by blood. He came by water, meaning He was baptized in water, in obedience to the Father to fulfill all the requirements that were put upon Him to be the perfect sacrifice as the Son of God. And He came through blood, meaning He died on the cross and shed His blood on Calvary. And John is saying this, these things because, if you remember... The Gnostics were involved. They were hearing this. They didn't really believe in the death and uh, atoning work of Jesus. But, but John is saying, no, this one that you had the victory in, he came through water baptism to fulfill all the requirements. He came through the blood and the sacrifice on the cross in obedience to the Lord. This is the one that we're talking about. And the Holy Spirit bears witness that this is absolutely true. So when we get to know who Jesus is, his perfect life, etc., how he kept the law, and, 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 or fulfilled the law, rather, and how he went to the cross in obedience, we realize that, that his life was a, an act of uh, obedience to the Father and sacrifice for each one of us. If you remember when Jesus was baptized that day, what happened? Well, the Spirit fell on him like a dove, And the voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So you have a picture in his water baptism of the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. And it says in verse number six, the spirit bears witness to all of this because the spirit is truth. It's like when you first heard the gospel or when I first heard the gospel and it really like the light went on. That wasn't our intelligence, you know. That was the Holy Spirit. We like to think, yeah, I got it. Well, you got it because the Holy Spirit lets you get it. You're not born again except if you're born again by the Spirit of God, right? That's, well, that's the whole point. So then that goes into verse number, and look at verses 7 and 8. I mean, come on. There's a witness in heaven and there's a witness on earth. Oh, really? What are we talking about here, you know? So, so this, is a, this is a profound statement, but this is, like, this is very crucial to our faith. There are three that bear witness in heaven. Okay? The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. I like that. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit all bear witness that all this is true. These three are one. They all think the same. They're on the same page. They're not antagonistic toward each other. Could you imagine? They are in one accord. This is a, if there's ever a verse for the Trinity, this is it. People say, where's the Trinity found in the Bible? This is a good place to start, wouldn't you say? 1 Peter 1.12, Peter writes, 1 Peter 1.12, he refers to, to the Father as God. God the Father. 
Oh, Lord, we're, we're, we're serving you. We're chosen by you. Uh, we're chosen by God the Father. So God the Father, the Father is God. Right? Then John chapter 1, we read that verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and, and the Word was with God, and, and the Word was God. In verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the Word is Jesus. So Jesus is God. And then the Holy Spirit, if you remember the story in Acts chapter 5, with uh, Peter and Ananias and Sapphira, they, they didn't give all their offering, and Peter called them out on it. He had the gift of discernment. He said, you, 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 you're lying to the Holy Spirit by holding back. In verse 5, he says, you're not only lying to me, you're lying to God, indicating that the Holy Spirit is God. And there's other passages with that. But, but verse number 7, the three bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. So when we enter into this relationship with God, man, there's testimony all over the place. There's a witness. Did I tell you the name of the sermon? Can I get a witness? Did I say that? Can I get a witness? It's okay. Can I get a witness? Does this bear witness with anybody? Because there's, there's, it's bearing witness with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then verse number 8, he says, there are three that bear witness on the earth. Okay, so we have something going on in heaven. Now we have something going on in earth. What's going on on earth? Well, this is where the, where the divine enters the, the earthly, or the divine enters the fleshly. As someone said one time, when the divine meets the carnal, sometimes it gets messy. And he always wins. I don't know if you've ever cried, if you've ever felt angst, if you ever felt you're just beside yourself, you need God. And when God meets you, you basically fall apart and you melt in his hands. That's what we're talking about. There's a witness on earth there's three that bear witness on earth. And he says the Holy Spirit. So let me give you some reference here. In John 15, 26 through 27, Jesus said, when the Helper comes, the Helper is the Holy Spirit, when the Helper comes to earth, so I'm going to go, I'm going to do what I have to do. I'm going to go to glory. And when I get to glory, I will send you the Helper. When he comes, he will testify of me. And you will bear witness that I am the Christ. You've known me from the beginning. But all that won't happen until the Holy Spirit comes. So when you heard the gospel, when I heard the gospel, and the light went off, that was the Holy Spirit working on earth, saving us, directing us, filling us, changing us, hallelujah, opening our eyes. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He is, he is the helper. He helps us see the fullness of God. He helps us under, understand the Word of God. He helps us to, to get what God is doing. In verse 6, the Spirit bears witness to what Jesus is do doing. So we have verse 7, we have the Trinity. Then verse 8, we have these three bear witness on, on the earth, the Holy Spirit. And again, there's the word water again. So the word water is in reference to water baptism. So the Holy Spirit saves us. And we, we portray that, we display that, we demonstrate that by being baptized in water. And our old nature is dead, our new nature is alive unto God, and we are a new creation in Him. I want to turn to a scripture in Ezekiel. I just found this the other day, and it's worth reading, but 
But see, our water baptism that we have in New Testament days, is, is, uh, it was shadowed in the Old Testament. That's why when John was baptizing, uh, the Jewish people knew about baptism. They knew all about it. But in Ezekiel 36, I'm going to read 23 to 27. Ezekiel 36. It says this. Uh, this, is, this is the Lord speaking to Israel. I will sanctify my great name, which you have profaned among the nations. Well, we could think about that too. Because he sanctifies his great name in each one of us when we have profaned his name before we were Christians. You follow that? That doesn't limit what he's going to do. He forgives us, hallelujah. But anyway, uh, which you have profaned in their midst... And the nation shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. Again, it's like the Great Commission. You know, love one another, and all the world will know you're my disciples by your love for one another, but go into all the world and preach this gospel. They will see me, the Lord says. They will see me as you proclaim the word of God, as you live in love with one another. I will, take from, I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all the countries, and bring you into your own land. He will take us from all walks of life, all generations, all sinful habits, doesn't matter, and make us one person, and make us one, one body uh, in, in him, the church. And then he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. Can I get a witness right there, church? I'll sprinkle clean water on you that are so rebellious and obnoxious. I'll make you clean, right? And you'll be be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart, hallelujah, and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Fast forward to the New Testament. When John was doing all that, he would behold the Lamb of God. He baptized Jesus. He's baptizing people. People were ready for something. He was saying, repent for the kingdom of God is, is here. And so now we get saved. And if you haven't heard the news, after you get saved, you should get baptized in water. Baptism doesn't save you, but it demonstrates what you did, what happened to you. I don't know about you. I love water baptisms. I say it all the time. They're the highlight of my life in ministry. When people get baptized, step out in faith and go under the water and come out again, and they're like, oh my goodness. The reality has struck me. I see it all the time. It's a beautiful thing to behold. But this is what he's saying. Three bear witness on earth. The Holy Spirit's at work. And when somebody gets baptized in water, you better believe that's a witness right there. That is a witness. It's an absolute witness. That's why we do it publicly. We have people come to witness what's going on. And then we have, we have the blood, the ministry of the blood. And we read in, in Hebrews 9 and 10, we won't turn to it, but in Hebrews 9 and 10, we, we hear things like, it's not the blood of goats and calves Anymore, It was in the Old Testament. It would cleanse a person's soul. But how much greater, how much more is this one-time sacrifice of Christ able to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and sanctify you by one sacrifice? 
So the blood of Jesus is, is, is part of preaching. That's why Paul said, I, I don't come to you with fancy words. All I know is Christ crucified and risen again. I, I preach the cross, is what he said. So the gospel has to have the blood in it. It, it has the blood in it. If you hear a gospel, you know, this missionary was telling me, by the way, he is a friend that preaches a prosperity message. And he confronted his friend. He said, why are you, why are you preaching about money? Well, you should be preaching about the blood of Jesus. I said, amen to that, of course. Preach the blood. Preach the power of the Holy Spirit. Preach a life of sanctification and holiness unto God demonstrated by your water baptism. This is the witness on earth. This is what the world sees. In the heavens, you have angels, you have demons, you have the spiritual realm, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit working in unison together, hallelujah. But on earth, the reality of that is, it's happening on earth in a little bit different way. It's the Holy Spirit, it's obedience of what the Word says, it's the blood of Jesus. That's why it was so important today to have communion. It's so important to remember what Jesus did. And that will never get old. If that gets old, we got to do something. That, that must never, ever get old. Every time we have communion, there should be something in our spirit that says yes and amen. All right, so that's verse number nine, right? Or eight, eight. Three that bear witness, the spirit, the water, and the blood. These three agree as one. We're just going to do one more verse. Verse number nine, if we receive the witness of men, what does that mean? Well, if we receive the approval of men, if we receive the blessing or the accolades of men, you know, that's okay. But the witness of God, the blessing of God is far greater than that. In fact, if you think you're going to make it to verse 13 and live the rest of your life sold out to God, you will never get there if you're waiting for the approval of men. It'll never happen. It will always leave us high and dry and empty inside. Our approval has to come from God, and God gives us the approval. But we have to be, you know, in that relationship with Him. If we're looking for approval from people, it'll only go so far. So if we have the, the witness of men, okay, but the witness of God, uh, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which He has testified of His Son. This is the witness. We have the Trinity going on. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the water baptism. We have the blood of Christ. All this is going on. This is the testimony of God. And when we're in that, are you with me, church? You know what I'm saying? When you're in that, you feel that. You don't need someone to pat you on the back all the time, although it's not bad every now and then. But that's going to get us so far. But when we're in that, we believe in the Trinity. We see the Trinity. We understand it. We're there. We see the Holy Spirit today in real life. We see water baptism, people getting saved. We see the blood of Jesus saving people, covering people's sin. We're in that. We have this testimony from God. We're okay. We're okay. The world may fall apart, and the world will fall apart. Things are happening today that are pretty crazy. The pandemic and everything else, all the, everything. So uh, what? God has never changed. This has never changed. Think about how old this is. This is an old piece of literature right here. 2,000 years old or so. It's been true ever since the old. And think of all the changes in life that have happened. This has never changed. The world has been through so much stuff. 
But the Word of God, what, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of God endures forever. This is truth. This is truth no matter what you go through in life. As the songwriter who wrote, It is well with my soul, that was birthed out of him losing his daughters on a ship in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. He, he wrote this song, In spite of their death, it is well with my soul, because Jesus is with me. How do you get to that place? Well, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying. The Spirit bears witness. If you're expecting to get this from a person, it'll never happen. But if you expect to get it from God, you will get it from God. This is all a spiritual thing that's going on here. Isn't this wonderful? This is great. This is, this is real stuff right here. And, you know, when I first read I said, Oh, Lord, what are we going to do with that passage? He said, Let me show you what we're going to do. There's a lot in here. A lot in here. So I'm going to stop right there because it's just too much to get into today. Eventually, I wanted to get to uh, the application of this. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness for the four core values of the Assemblies of God? The four core values, they really should be the core values of any church, I I think. It's not like unique. It's like biblical things. But can I get a witness that Jesus Christ is Savior? He's the Savior. Jesus, now, you have to get this. In John 14, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Oh, really? Nobody comes to the Father but through Jesus? That's what Jesus said. He's the one and only Savior. Can I get a witness to that? That Jesus is the only Savior? Because, because when you say that, right now, if you say, you know, it's good right here, but you say that out there, people are going to say, man, you are crazy. He, he's the only way? Yeah, he's the only way. Can I get a witness that Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit? Well, what do you, yeah, well, he saves us and he fills us with the Holy Spirit that we will be empowered to do great exploits for the kingdom of God. Here's a little taste of that. We have 32 missionaries over there. To me, that's amazing that we could support 32 missionaries every month during a pandemic. That's amazing to me. But we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. We see the picture. Preaching the gospel in those countries is really, really very important. Can I get a witness that Jesus Christ is the healer? Oh, he is the healer. Oh, what will you say? What about, what about our brother Gary? He died. He went to heaven. Well, he was ultimately healed in glory. Hallelujah. That's why a Christian funeral is so different than a regular funeral. So we believe in healing. Why, why do we pray for the sick? Because we believe in healing. Why do we anoint with oil? We believe in healing. Why do we lay hands? We believe in it. God is, you know, able. You know, he, he's able. Sometimes he doesn't do what we want. But hey, we make our request known and we leave it up to him. And can I get a witness that Jesus is coming soon? He's a soon coming king. Man, I, I, should, I should have a lot of witnesses right there. Read the news. Look at the news reports. Even the Olympics are having a problem, for goodness sake. There's problems everywhere. The Ukraine, the Middle East. Everywhere you look, there's problems and issues. Jesus has got to be coming soon. So can I get a witness? See, but in order for you to be a witness, you have to live in verse 13, I'm telling you. You have to be in the Word of God that you know. If, you're, if you die... You're going to heaven. And until you die, you're going to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
In order to do that, you must stay grounded and rooted in these things that we're talking about. The work of the Trinity, the work of Jesus, the water and the blood, the work of, the, uh, of, of God on earth through the Holy Spirit, through uh, water baptism and salvation, through the blood of Jesus. When you're in that, you're going to make it. Can I tell you? You're going to make it if you're in that. That's like getting into Noah's Ark. If you're in the ark, you're all set. It doesn't matter what kind of storm comes your way. You're protected. You're in the church. You're in the environment of safety and security. And when, when the, the Lord comes or he takes you, you're ready to go. And so this is a, this is a very uh, theologically sound doctrine. Now, if you hear people that deny the deity of Christ... You, you know automatically, that can't be right, that's not right. They're not orthodox, they're not really Christians. So you have Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, and a whole bunch of others, not to mention Islam and everything else, but Jesus is the only way. The deity of Christ is crucial. Absolutely crucial. God the Father, crucial. God the Holy Spirit, crucial. The Word became flesh. The Word was God, it became flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. So when you live in those doctrines, and you, you accept it, you believe it, you yield yourself to it, you'll make it through the other side. Absolutely. I'd be willing to say, unless you do, you won't make it to the other side. We have to abide in that. That's why Paul said, you have to abide in Christ. Live in Christ. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You can't do anything unless you abide in the vine. And so it all kind of works together. So... So uh, eventually I want to get to those four points. But anyway, I hope that today there was enough to kind of get you uh, curious about what I mean. Can I get a witness? There's witnesses all around. The Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son. The church doing water baptisms. The church preaching the blood of Jesus. It's all a witness that all of this is yes and amen. Hallelujah. Ah. All right. Well, why don't we stand together? Can I get a witness? Remember, back in the day, there was a, a secular song by that title. I didn't really look it up, but I remembered it in my mind. But that comes from the church. I think the world stole it from the church. But can I get a witness? Can I get a witness that... He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it until that day. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll testify to that. I got 44 years of that right, right there in my heart. I could testify to that. He's faithful. We're unfaithful. He's faithful. Hallelujah. Well, let's sing it because of who you are. Ready? I give you glory. I give you glory. Because of who you yes. are, I give you praise. praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, oh God. Oh, because of who you are, I will lift my voice and say, Lord, I worship you.
worship you, Lord. You're a wonderful Savior. You're a good God. You're a faithful God. We see you, Lord, today. We see you high and lifted up. Yeah. The train Hallelujah. of your temple fills Jesus, the glory of, the, of where you are. You, your, your presence Bless is radiating, you, Lord. We oh worship God. you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. We're going to sing that one more time, but if anyone needs to surrender, yeah. listen, Come. Jesus publicly Come. died on that cross. Jesus, Jesus. Mocked, ridiculed, spat, the whole deal. Publicly. That's why we give an altar call. It's kind of public in a way, but sometimes the Lord requires a response. Like He gave it to us. He demonstrated you know, publicly. He wants us to demonstrate publicly, I'm surrendering to God. Well, that's why water baptism happens. But subsequently from that, we need to do that from time to time. You know why? I know why. Because it happens to me. Stuff gets in the way. And the priorities change. It's no longer Jesus and the Word and church and worship. It's me, my money, my family, my stuff, and my problems. And it gets out of it. So sometimes we need to get that scale back up again. And that will take a surrender. A surrender. So, let me pray. And if you want to come up and surrender, you can surrender at your seat. I just always remember Zacchaeus. Come on down. Zacchaeus might have said, but Lord, I, I feel comfortable in the tree. No one could see me behind the leaves. No, no, no. Come down. And everyone saw him, and there was a reaction. But there's something about that. Dear Father, Lord, we surrender to you. Lord, it's bearing witness with me right now. We have to surrender to you. Lord, can we get a witness? Lord, can you release the Spirit of God in our hearts today? Paul said it to the Ephesians. He said, Father, Lord, uh, uh, let, let them understand the riches of your glory in their inner man. Lord, help us to understand the riches of your glory in our inner being. Release that, O oh God. But Lord, if there's someone that needs to surrender today, hallelujah, Lord. No one's, no one's looking at anybody. We're all in the same boat. But we all come before you, Lord, to surrender to who you are. Hallelujah. Mighty King, mighty Lord, mighty Deliverer, mighty Savior. Oh, Lord, thank you for who you are. Hallelujah. Let's sing it one more time if we can. If you need altar time, come. Because of who you are, I give you glory. Because of who you are, I give you
Lord God, we do worship you because of who you are. And Lord, thank you for loving us in spite of who we are. But Lord God, we're asking you today, would you do a new thing in our hearts, oh God? Would you do a new thing in our hearts, in the hearts of our families, in the hearts of this fellowship, oh God? As we get into this new year, Lord, we look to you for a new thing that you will do. We thank you for your faithfulness, and we give it all up to you right now. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Well.